Welcome back to an all new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast where we fly with the divine wings of tragedy. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Keeping in with the prog field today, Danny, we are going to be reviewing a uh, progressive metal band uh, from, I think it's Francis. We're talking about Adagio this week. Yeah, definitely. French band with an Italian name. That's a bit weird, but go on. Ah, look, appropriation, you know, it's not that big of a deal, you know. Forget what uh, the universities are calling it. You know, that made the news this week, but we won't talk about that with no you know, political podcast, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Actually, that's all we do is talk about politics. Especially now, actually, we'll be talking more about it because more front lead singers don't like their president, apparently. Yeah, I know. We'll talk about that more. We're also going to talk about our listener question this week. We Like most weeks, we go to our listener fan base or viewer, if you're watching your computer, yeah. and uh, we're talking about health. And metal, how it's correlated, Danny. Definitely right. Now, summer's coming. You're supposed to get fit and fab and all that trimmed and toned. But more importantly, we're here to talk about metal, so let's go on to the news. Kicking it right off the bat is Megadeth's drummer, or the one who passed, I must say, Nick Menza. The uh, biography is coming out. It's like a memoir, the official memoir coming from the family, the uh, biographer, and, uh, you know, uh, one thing I want to talk about in the management, obviously. But there's controversy around this one, Denny, when it comes out. There's going to be a no-holds-barred. And the why it comes with a disclaimer is an interesting point, Denny. Yeah, um, mostly it comes from uh, Nick's mother, who said that a lot of grievances with the uh, Megadeth camp and more so with Dave Mustaine, of course, where um, they still haven't received like any condolences from Dave Mustaine. And Dave has come out and said that, oh, he has, you know, they try to reconcile to do like a you know, reunion tour and uh, he, Dave couldn't see why it never came about. And uh, from the Mensa camp, it's pretty much like, nah, it's your reason why it never came about, Dave. They, from from the uh, Mensa camp, he receives an offer to do a reunion tour for Megadeth, and he laughed at it. He was given a sum of money or some sort of way of a contribution for your efforts. You know, in, in our capitalist society, once you do something, you usually re- reward with either monies or another favor. You know, it's not exactly like a relationship, you know. Just... Well, in our case, like likes and our Facebook Yeah, exactly, right? But he got, when he got the offer from Megadeth, he, he laughed at it. He said that was almost, it was almost offensive. It was that bad, you know. And all this is going to come out in the memoir. So I guess for you guys, if you want to know, you know, the Megadeth behind the scenes, um why not? I mean, unless you'd have to pay $4,000 this time, you know, to get the behind-the-scenes tour like the uh, Megadeth Press Pass that they were calling it. Yeah, but you got to drink wine with the other members of the band. That's, what, watch yeah. Megadeth songs being an acoustic. Oh, God, I don't know another pain worse than that. And sleep in nice tents. Yeah, nice you know? tents. Yeah, 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 yeah. $4,000 tents. Uh, Periphery and Animal as Leaders announce a 2017 North American tour. Now, this is a long time coming for the band because not that many people will know this, but the gent scene was kind of created by these two bands, which lived on pretty much two ends of the same street almost, Danny. They were actually in the same neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, the lead uh, guitarist, uh, Tony Abasi, from and was leaders, and uh, the boy from Periphery, uh, oh, I can't believe, uh, uh, Misha Manson, that's right, yeah, the uh, the two guys there are now getting together, how, how it all comes around, how the circle of life is con- is completed in the metal community, I guess. That, that's pretty amazing, you have all the streets, and all the suburbs, and all the cities, you had to be living down the same one, so <laughs> that's, that's, that's really amazing, I don't, I don't know how that worked out. Wasn't that from a movie? Yeah. It was, um, well, Casa Blah Blah is what it is. <laughs> but we're going to make a new movie called The Gent Movie. Yeah. Gen- Genosauric Park. Yeah. Probably have like, you know, more 
Gentsy music, which is kind of like you know, just having your ink printer kind of run out of power. That's that's probably the best way to describe it. So it's quite 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 apt. But um, the thing with Periphery for me, as I know as a fan, I've got uh, the story which I tell uh, a few times about Periphery, and uh, there's two peripheries that I remember as a kid. And 2010, when they released the self debut album called Periphery, obviously. Uh, they came out on tour. They came out on tour with a metal band at the time, and they were great. They they literally spent a lot of time with the fans. They they weren't drinking. They weren't doing anything any drugs that I could be aware of anyway. Or at least they didn't offer it to me, which is you know, fine by me. You know, you are a metal band after all. And it was great. You know, it was a great gig. They played really really well, and um, and they came out and and talked to the fans and sold merch with them. They're actually good with it. Came back a year later for Soundwave. Come out with a bottle of Jacks. Just getting absolutely smashed, playing a really bad gig, and a fight broke out right in front of us. Didn't even stop the gig. Yeah, they're definitely right. And I think more importantly, is where we reviewed the album was it last year, and it wasn't a good album. Yeah. So uh, you know, that's our take on it. We uh, we wish them well though, and I hope that they have a great time. So let's talk about Rainbow, which we do know a lot about, especially Superman brother Dan, um, Ronnie Romero, the new singer for Rainbow or Richie Blackmore's. Deep Purple slash Rainbow yeah, <laughs> cover right. cover section. Um, he reckons that the new track that hasn't been released sounds like old school Rainbow. Well, that's yeah, going yeah. Do you take his word for it, or are you kind of a bit apprehensive of it? You've been hurt before. That's right. Is is this just like just getting off those alarm bells in your head? Well, considering what um, Ronnie uh, Ronnie Richie Blackmore's set list was when we saw Rainbow it was pretty much Deep Purple. I think he's getting confused that he's saying early rainbow. I think that's his pseudonym saying like uh, deep purple. So I have a feeling this new early rainbow stuff is actually going to sound like his deep purple stuff. I'm worried about that. But the more important thing which we have to take in consideration is that they released or a re-release of the song I Surrender back with our boys David... No... What's the guy's? I think it's Jolyn Turner. Jolyn Turner, so Jolyn Turner, right? Now, obviously, this song here has a very much rock pop, you'd say, Dan, kind of feel. Oh, yeah. The, the track was great. Uh, it, it kind of brought the connection between metalheads and people who listen to the radio, and uh, it put both of those styles together really, really well. And uh, The re-release of it, though, man, that piano sounds like a MIDI file. I'm talking about straight out of Mega Drive era, like Genesis era. Um, and the worst thing about it is something about those old school recordings down on the vinyl have so much life and presence about them. But now it has the modern production and it sounds like Richie Blackmore's Rainbow from the 90s. Dan, what is the 90s Rainbow compared to the 70s Rainbow? Yeah, you're not a big fan, especially of the drumming. He really keeps you up at night, that drumming. It's, it's, it, well, no, it doesn't. That's the biggest problem because literally <laughs> it is... Literally, the sun coming up in the morning is less predictable than his drum beats. It is offensive that as a guy who would surround himself with the best musicians in the world would have picked someone who just gave... A very much mediocre performance. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I guess Ronnie Romero, maybe being born probably in the eighties and nineties, maybe his consideration of early nineties is early Rainbow. So maybe this could be a could be problematic for us. Well, I showed the old lady because Mum grew up with Rainbow with the old man. They were big uh, metal fans growing up through the ranks. And when she heard it, she was basically made the same face when I told her that I wanted to be a metal musician and make money out of metal the rest of my life. Her face was just full of disappointment and dread. It was really much like defeat. Well, she, never should have <laughs> bought, she never should have bought those early edition microwaves and left the door open. So. Um, but, you know, I am apprehensive. I don't think it's going to live up to its hype, unfortunately. Um, especially that production. Oh, really, he, he should be a band or should have like that conscious effort in doing it the way like it's very organic, very natural and uh, avoid any 
uh, the new age poli- uh, polished albums, like get away from all that stuff like Allegiant and make it more about what made Rainbow great. And that's that really rough, dirty recording that people still do today. Mm. Look at Nails, for example. I'm not saying do Nails, you know. <laughs> I don't think he's been angry about anything in that life. But yeah. I'm just saying, you know, it's a good idea, right? Yeah, exactly right. Look, again, yeah, it's hard because he hasn't played this stuff or written this stuff for so long. Is he going to be rusty? It's always a big question. But hey, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, move on to Nitro, another band that was massive in the 80s. It was literally about playing a scale so fast that literally you'd not ne- your neck would disappear because obviously like sawdust, it would just kind of fall down and you need a new guitar for the next song. And that comes down to Michael Angelo Bascio's incredible playing. Now, the the best thing about this is a story that comes with it from Jim Gilbert, uh, Gillett, sorry, Jim Gillett, the vocalist for the band, actually disclosed uh, what happened with the band. Uh, he was saying it was funny, and he disclosed this to a publication, it's funny, the first run with Nightshade, we started off super heavy. Mm. He then continued, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to blame anyone as we have had the ultimate decision, but it got shaped and molded by guys in suits that had no clue. All I wanted to do was sing higher and play faster. But back then, there was pressure from the record labels to change the sound, and so it happened. Now they're returning more to their roots with just playing heavy music, soaring vocals, and now he's bringing a little bit of death metal vocals as well, Danny. No, that's that's all sounds great. I mean, to be fair, that he was massive in the like eight, late 80s, early 90s, and that was kind of the style which was popular. So you, you can't blame people for saying that. Also, like Michelangelo, he got famous with that what, Speed Kill solo where he's there in his gold gym. As bad as menacing as a toothpick. Yeah, he had that that cut-off fringe. And his arms were literally the size of toothpicks. But he was like waiting on the guitar. It was amazing. Hey, but at least now he's finally feel like he could actually fill out that um, single. Now he's kind of hit the gym. Yeah. Yeah, Let's say the music was kind of appropriate for that era. And now they're trying to bring it into the modern age. Like a lot of old school bands are trying to make a bit more dark edge to it. But it's apparently, according to some comments, that people aren't really happy with uh, this ability or songwriting. Well... The thing about it is it's kind of got a it's got that feel from the eighties, definitely. Um with a little bit of lower tuning, um, but the classic power medley vocals, chorusy kind of thing. However, um I think it will appeal to guitarists, if anyone else, because uh, some of those diminished lines are just you wonder how he plays it. He can literally play a guitar underneath, over the top, with his right hand, with his left hand, with your girlfriend's hand. It's ridiculous how <laughs> this guy, how ambidextrous this guy really, really is. And uh, he's just pushed away of how to play a guitar um, and and how fast you can do it as well. So, uh, interested to hear it. You can't really see it with a CD, but nevertheless, let's talk about something that uh, added a lot of spice, uh, much like his solos. Eugene Mounstein, Danny. You know, you know the guy? The guy yeah. who doesn't like singers. Yingui, Yingui, Eugene Mounstein. He's a yeah. two. We're going to call him that as a geek because he's totally nerded out, saying he is obviously a singer now. He doesn't want to give singing responsibilities to anyone else, um, and he's taken out pretty much not interested in working with Jeff Scott Soto, Joe Lynn Turner, and the one and only Tim Ripper Owens from the band. Uh, Ice, no, Ice Earth he's been Ice in Ice Earth um, Judas Priest Ch- and Child Wars of the Dam, which we Wars reviewed of the Damned. now let's uh, talk about something that he said he goes and uh, take a quote um, yeah, Mounstein said I do not like any of those people I don't like to do anything with them ever again uh, and, in response to about vocals in general the fakeness about it the problem is I understand that maybe there was one person that maybe did this for him but Generally, what happens is Tipper Owens came back, didn't he, Danny? 
Oh, no, yeah, him and all three. But firstly, he's at those people. Yeah. I'm sorry. So it's plural. That's, that's, that's very ignorant. Those, yeah. those people. We've we got names. We're called singers. Yeah. <laughs> We're called don't, the reason for bands. Don't be racist. Hey, don't, don't, don't be musicists. Yeah. Yeah, so he pretty much came out. He, like, he didn't actually, that's right, he didn't purposely say what names because you don't because you get sued. But he's only had so many singers and he said the vocalists in general. So, yeah, it was a fair, fair, fair attack that most guys he's worked with he doesn't like anymore. It's more so to do with the fact that, and a lot of people are saying that he's he's a pretty big ego. Yeah. And when you have a vocalist on stage, people like tend to look at the vocalist more so than guitars, unless a solo pops up. Yeah. Now, Mouse, he he wouldn't appreciate that. The worst thing he said though was, "There's a certain disconnect when you write the song and you have someone else sing it for you." And this is the part, and it's a kind of like a fakeness about it. Um. There's an ability that someone that has mastered their instrument can do that you can't do, right? Now, I get that certain elements and certain bands and certain musicians can hear those head in their head, but when you give it to someone who's mastered, they can get a pull and ability out that you cannot do, right? Now, I know Mousing is a singer and he's doing it, but there's just no way he can pull out a Ripper Owens, yep. you know, or a Jolien Turner. He can do something that's probably passable and serviceable. But um, we haven't heard him yet. I mean, I'm just kind of assuming it because I, I think I'm still suffering from the triggering volume, you know, 37 from Malmsteen. It's a very Gene thing to say, right? It's a very <laughs> Gene <laughs> right. Simmons thing to say. Yeah, he's geneing it up. You know? I mean, what's making it worse is that all these last three singers have all come out and said, no, we've actually written half the songs and half the melodies or whatever percentage of songs and melodies. So for Malmsteen to come out and say that, oh, he wrote all the songs, all the melodies, we've already got like two sides of stories. You know, well, now who do we believe? I know who to believe. The curtain was pulled back and revealed with the explanation from Facebook from Mound Scenes Management. Danny, it's about five paragraphs long and it really gets you an inkling of who's running the show in the Mound Scene camp. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the manager, his name's something like Baker or something. It's not Baker, it's Mound Scene. He just has yeah. like a pseudonym he uses <laughs> when he's on Facebook. And, 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 keeps, and he keeps saying like like the Mound Scene or something. He keeps like, the way he writes is, oh, the Mound Scene was upset by this thing. Like, he keeps... Like Brian Fuhrer kind of thing. Oh, it's just like, weird. Celebrity. Like, oh, it's a weird way of writing it. But he just, yeah, he's just defending him. And when you come out trying to defend what someone said, which was pretty attacking it just makes you look worse it's, it's just not right he's kind of screwed it up for that and for that we're going to say welcome to being to the gene of the week it was pretty much a um, we offer the gene uh simmons award for anyone who's like you know when gene simmons tried to steal the metal horns away from the metal horn community and make money out of it what a douchebag this year is being douchebag yeah pretty much yeah. <laughs> okay Corey Taylor Nickelback members are called to apologize for Chad Kroger's comments apparently the band were apologizing to Corey Taylor called him up and they said look we're sorry we didn't say that it was Chad and what did he say well I thought it was kind of funny he just called Stone Sour which is uh, Corey Taylor's band outside of Slipknot um, he called him Nickelback Live I thought that was fun. It was harmless. It was a little bit of fun. It was just poking, you know, dude, the guy's mega rich. He's just poking him. So are you. Um, but uh, apparently that that they put the thing on damage control because, I mean, Nickelback's sales on CD started to fall a little bit. We also found that um, people were kind of screaming like F Nickelback at gigs and stuff like that. If they weren't already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's one of those things like when you... When you buy yourself a brand new car, like, oh, I've got this brand new car. I'm the one who drives this type of car. And then you say, oh, wait, oh, he's got my car. Oh, she's got my car. And they've got my car. It's the same thing. So now you're focusing on, you actually can see how much Nickelback bashing really is occurring. Dude, and I've always said, Craig, like, well, I apologize, man. It's a metal community, man. I mean, before the metal 
publications and like the you know the middle sucks and middle injection got upset with words and they got offended even though you know before we're happy to talk about killing people's missus and uh, you know taking grandma out for a stroll in the lake um I should love that, that song's written yet. She'll love that, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. cute. It's cute. Yeah. Um, yeah, and now it's all of a, a problem to to, to have, a, have a bit of a, 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 I don't know, just a bit of, bit of a banter. That's really what it was, wasn't nah. it, Danny? It, it really is. It's just you guys take each other's bands for if, us. If he, if he said that about a band who was up and coming, touring out of their mum's van, um, didn't have enough money to pay for his health insurance, you know, okay, that would make him look a bit of a dick. But it, it's Corey Taylor. The guy has an opi- a strong opinion about water, you know, a very controversial decision about water as well, you know. Yeah. So um, why not just, why not, you know, put him down a peg? Can't we just do that? Can't we just get this guy to come down just like one peg? Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm surprised it's still going. Like, come on, guys. It's like, ugh, it was said about bands. You're both successful, both very famous. It just starts to get a bit childish after a while. So hopefully this is like the end of it. Oh, childish, Dan. I like it. That's what we're going to talk about now. Some thoughts about mental illness in the metal community. One of our... Um one of the publications, I think it was Metal Sucks, Metal Injection, came out. And in the wake of Chester Bennington, the... Uh, Beddingfield, sorry. Beddingfield? Beddingfield. Anyway, Chester, the guy, leasing her from... Lincoln Park kills himself, right? He's dead. Uh, severe roping around the throat, right? Now, the, the community, uh, this, this article wrote and said basically about, uh, even though they say he's not a doctor or, or a scientist or really has any weight or value in society, he went through a bit of a power time, so he thought he could write an article about it. Did you get to read the article, Danny? Well, I've, I read it, and again, it's just someone's opinion about suicide and yeah. what he thinks occurred again yeah, yeah. It, it's basically like clutching at straws because you'll never know right we'll never know you never know yeah, yeah. yeah Chester's the only one who knows and his family pretty much didn't know either you know I mean he sung about being close to the edge about to break what 10 years ago I and mean, we just thought he was just having a you know having a song but uh, no he was actually asking you guys to like you know call, you know, look him out like he's gonna be he's struggling a little bit um um but then Corn's head has apologised as well. You know, people have come out and they're starting to feel a bit of sympathy for the whole thing. What, what's your take on it, Danny? What do you think uh, people should be doing around this time and these kind of uh, thoughts and these kind of uh, times that we're living in? Yeah, I mean, it's always a shock when someone commits suicide, especially someone who's quite big and massive. You think they have everything going for them. It's, um, I mean, the whole head situation, like the guy from Corn, like he came out was very attacking like pretty much the next day. He's like, the guy's a cow. He never should have done it. And to be fair, it might be an emotive shoot from the hip thing, and you never should be emotive shoot from the hip, especially when it's in words on social media. Because yeah. you might be correct, but you also might be offending a shitload load of people, and that's always going to bite you in the ass. So he came back this week and said, "Look, I, I was a bit aggressive. I should have taken like slash, slash approach to say, you know, we've got so many emotions coming on now. Do you know?" Well, you know, this guy is killing beyond the grave, much like uh, the Altered Beast video game that I love playing. Uh, three people now have committed suicide in the wake of Chester's death. Yeah. So it's putting up a pretty toll count. I mean, the way it's going, man, it's like uh, Polyon in Africa or Feminist with Donuts. They're just demolishing the whole crowd. Okay. That's, <laughs> the Donuts one's a bit weird. Yeah. But it's, it's actually... Um, oh, look. To, to, to pin this... like, Hopefully the families don't come out and start to sue... hit. Uh, Chester's like a state saying, "Oh, it's because you committing suicide is the reason why my family commits suicide." I'm like, that's that's again, that's a bit weak. Nah, it? I don't think that's what happens. But you know, yeah, they they were inspired through his music and his death to be dead. That's well, that's pretty tremendous, man. To be that powerful as a musician, I guess, or as a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway, 
What about some more sad news? Wacken Open Air, the Danish metal heroes Volbeats have great news to their fans. Well, this is coming from the Wacken uh, Facebook. Two or three more songs worthy because they're getting their set list extended by 10 minutes, Danny. So uh, for people who love hearing songs about dead cowboys or having sex with their missus, this is for them. However... That also means that for those unfortunate people who don't like Volby, it's an extra 10 minutes yeah, we'll of hearing right. stuff like, oh, I don't know, the classic ones like, or what about, I've also got one here, uh, you've been again. Just imagine hearing that for 10 more minutes, man. I can barely, I mean, you could barely listen to me for like, you know, 10 minutes or 40 minutes in the podcast. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Yeah, uh, I don't know. That, that, that's quite interesting for them to increase 10 minutes. Uh, either someone has pulled out or, I mean, the 10 minutes came from somewhere. So I, I don't know. Maybe they thought that's a big selling point. But Vikings always going to sell out. So uh, I don't know. Good, yeah. good work, Volbeat. I guess you got another 10 minutes to show you. Which there's probably not three more songs for them, so that's, that's not so bad. Half, yeah. you know. So, oh look, that's great. Yeah, well done. And to finish it off, my Portnoy, Portnoy, the old Dream Theater drummer has come out and said he has no longing to join Dream Theater. A single tear must have shed from his eye, Danny, saying that sentence. Because even I know that he knows that he doesn't even believe that. Well, like I said, everything has its five stages of grief. Maybe he's finally gone through the acceptance stage. So this could be a very big moment in my partner's life. He did say the ball was in their court, and he said uh, he's happy to do it for the fans. Well, Him being the, his biggest fan, I'd imagine that he'd want to be in uh, I see what he's doing, Because that's still the bartering phase of grieving. So I think that's still step, was it three or four? So yeah, yeah maybe he's still still yep, yeah, suffering. I, it is unfortunate. Um he is in a lot of bands. He even acknowledges in 80-something bands, and he has been. He hasn't found no. a home ever since Dream Theater, and maybe he never will. Uh, it is a shame. Um, Dream Theater kind of worked, kind of petered out for me around the time of his demise, and now they're still going. I think maybe they might be back, or I don't know, but uh, we never reviewed last year's um, the, the, the Astonishing, I think it was called. So, so it sounds like Paul Mike Portnoy. It's like you know, he was in a long-term, solid relationship. Thought you know, there's green departures out there, and now he's just hopping from one bed to one bed, or yeah. he's wake up unsatisfied, searching for that real connection. And I don't think you'll ever get it, Mike. It's in you, mate. It's yeah, in you. the grass may be green on the other side, but it's hell of a lot more scratchier too. So for that, I would say stick to what you know and play balls in your backyard. Am I right, Danny? Wait, you're saying he should be gay? <laughs> He said balls in the backyard. He said balls in the backyard. Where are you going here? All right, let's go to our editorial. This week, we asked a question to our fans. What are the health benefits of listening to heavy metal? Now, we wanted to ask this question because we did read in Team Rock's question to Gene Hoagland, is drumming good for you? He did come out and say that uh, there are some benefits. You know, the the guy who played in Strapping Young Lad, Death, Fear Factory... And the second best album of 2016, Testament with the Brotherhood of the Snake. Um, things like cardio-orientated stuff, so it's good for your health, drumming, lots of water to drink when you're drumming. So that's good. It relieves stress because, you know, instead of hitting your kids, you hit your, your, your skins. Yep. And aside from masturbating, um, it's probably really, the best thing. You already to- talked about hitting your skins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, thank you. So we had to ask our fans as well. You know, we've got our own take why we think metal is good for you, but our fans really responded. We were looking around, I think eight or nine people come out on our wall and it's just like, yeah, I've, I've got something to say about the tenor metal. I've got something good to say. Yeah, it's always a, it's always a positive and it's a, it's a positive. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I just, we just like to be noticed. Hey, that's it. People talking to us? When, when that red light clears up on Facebook, it's like, it's like like crack for us. We just have to get more of it. One notification, yay. If this was like in high school, man, I never would have like played metal, I reckon, because like, oh, this is what it likes to be popular. <laughs> 
But here we go, right from the top right, we take a, a strong neck. Can't agree more, man. Have you seen what the kids are doing? I mean, you until you're 60 years old, you'd have the strongest. Like, look at the guys from Kennel Corpse, right? Yeah, look at Corpse Grinder. Corpse Grinder. Look at his neck. I reckon when you hit 60, they went out the arthritis kits in, your head just kind of falls well, off. That's the problem. You also have a um, uh, head banging. Um, you mean, yeah, post. What's the thing? You play guitar too much, you get a thing in your wrist. Like, you play depression. Much. Not depression. That's, that's <laughs> life. <laughs> Guitar is like uh, like repetitive strain syndrome in your neck. So if you over repetitive strain syndrome in your neck, it's possibly like poor corpse crying had to get neck surgery. So yeah, I mean, make sure you warm up. Like every exercise, you got to yeah. warm up and stretch. Or as you have to go out and get operation like the guys from Slipknot, man, and you have to get neck surgery for headbang. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's the whole body though when you get into that much. It's great. Yeah, yeah, true. Jackie Tran has had free food at the Super Metal Brothers household. Um, I guess so. I don't know how that relates to metal music, but all right. Um, I think <laughs> they're freeloaders. <laughs> yeah, I think we got freeloaders, man. Uh, Emily Evans. I actually read an article somewhere that it's beneficial for babies. Well, obviously, you know, if they're listening to pop music, they're getting uh, self doubt installed in them. They're getting uh, a severe case of self. Uh, importantism, yeah. you know, so grandeur, I'm, I'm talking. And unfortunately, a reading level of third grade. Oh, that's apparently right. Apparently, came out found pop music has that level of English skills. Look at Beyonce. She needs five rice right, who run the world girls, <laughs> on repeat. Wow. You know, like, that, that took, you look at Queen or anything like that, or even guys in metal, man, they're writing their own stuff, man, that's would have taken stuff. The, the, the previous 30 years to be able to play that. Um, so, I think it would be beneficial babies, because, you know, when you hear... A scream, and we've talked about this before. A scream is literally what you have from a kid. Yeah. It's just that some people keep using it so they can get louder and louder. So yeah, so technically you're saying people who like metal, heavy metal singers, have technically been mastering the art since childbirth. What other musician has been putting that much dedication? So that's that giving your kid a future. No wonder yeah. the baby's happy. It knows that it has somewhere to do in life apart from make them parents disappoint disappointed in them. Yeah, and obviously, like I think that also means that if you have healthy babies because your parents like metal, that means they're like, decent people, and that's how it works. It's like a holistic approach Adam Longsellers has said uh, urge to kill fading he believes that the uh, beneficial for health of others oh see I like that again looking at other people so not being selfish also good for your soul man at the moment right there is a Middle East conflict you know between the whole thing with Assad and Syria and all that what if you just have to inject metal in there actually yeah that's like South Park did an episode where they have all like the religion like all their flags like the Star of David and like the cross, etc., and then they mold them all together into the Van Halen sign, and they start playing Van Halen, and that what causes peace to the world is <laughs> Van Halen. Because that's the problem. Like maybe instead of having like you know these proxy wars where you have these other people from a third party come in and try to sell weapons to other people just to make sure, why don't you just bring Metallica along? Yeah. You know, uh, uh, not Fest is on the line. They're going to come to Australia. Just go over us. Yeah, go there, do a gig. You know, whatever. Take Nickelback Light with you as well. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and take Nickelback as well. So if they don't like it, and then they make the West happy as well. Yeah, I would say also bring Van Halen, but not the live Van Halen because Eddie sometimes wants to drink too much. So make sure it's pre-recorded Van Halen. Yeah. Uh, Richard Dunn, a high level of iron in your diet. What is he doing eating the CDs, Danny? But there's no iron in CDs, man. Then what is he doing with it? I don't know. Actually. Oh, <laughs> maybe he like heard the band Nails. I thought I'll eat Nails instead. Mm, interesting. Mm, interesting. Daniel Cedarblad poses distance themselves from your double kick blast beats and gutturals. It's like those high pitched sound things that are supposed to repel vermin. You know how you would spray mortine around your door yeah. and it protects you against ants and the neighbors. This is the same thing. It's like you listen to music and you literally get to know the person better without even saying anything. Because if they're like, dude, that sounds wild. Is that X-Band? Maybe it's Opeth before they went progressive. Or um, 
uh, tool before they stop writing albums. Um, that's the whole point. Like you get yeah. to know people so well just by playing a riff. I remember like I was in a drive around New Zealand and they got to my turn. After two weeks of listening to pop and shit music, it finally got to my turn to play music. I thought, here's Dame's chance to shine. So I started a slow bit of Dio, a bit of you know, Deep Purple Symphony X, and I thought, okay, I put a bit of threat signal on to like, blast me out. And straight away, the people I was in the car look, oh, I'm headed, got a headache. Oh, this is terrible. I'm like, seriously, wow, that, that's how bad you get it in morons. Yeah. So yeah, so that, that's, that's the whole point. So when you start playing music like that around people, you know those people who are douchebags. Andreas Lopez, depends if you listen to a lot of gore grind, you get to know the name of many diseases that you wouldn't want to get. Awareness. Awareness. You know, like, who wants gonorrhea? Like, not me, surely. I don't know about you, Danny, but they they sing about it, and they sing about it pretty angrily. So, uh, don't get it. He wants to get in the rear, eh? Ah, hey, hey, hey. That's yeah. true, but health is earth. It's not just about eating, right? It's also about thinking about things and also about looking after your body. So, yeah, right? Again, mm. smart. Most of the time, they are thinking about zombies having it, though. So, I guess, like, if the zombies are out, then, yeah. like, they're decaying corpses already. It's going to be bad news for your diet. Just saying. Yeah, there's not that much goodness in rotting flesh. Dana Brown decreases anger and dense sensitivities. Emotions when feeling overly emotional. Desensitizers. Desensitizers. Oh my God, Hip, man. Hip hop. Hip hop. <laughs> emotions when feeling over emotional. I agree, man. Like when a customer at work has just given me a bad day, you know, he's just asked for something, coming at like, you know, 5.35 when we closed at 5.30 and asking for a $10 tire. I'm thinking like, you know, how am I going to get through this? And I know that tunes in my car when I get in there is going to make me feel like, I can do all these things to the person, but I don't because, you know, I just don't do that thing. Yeah, that's amazing. You talk to people about metal. They're like, oh, man, aren't you like angry and hateful when you listen to that music? I was like, nah, it's the opposite, man. It's like it gets it gets your aggression out and it gets what you're, you're like, I don't know, the goodness in your brain. Mm. Ah, whatever, the serotones or di- what a f- diodes, what the fudge is called in your brain? Cocaine. Uh, yeah, Tell the no, drug, Danny. That, 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 here's a drug. <laughs> Dopamine, there you go. All dopamine. that shit goes, and like adrenaline goes, makes you feel better. So yeah, it's actually the opposite. I like, think more aggressive music, more you're like, yeah, let's go, woo. Yeah, absolutely. Steve Lehman, it's is if it's loud enough, you can't hear other people talking. Huge benefit. I know that Superman brother Dan wishes Superman brother Matt would stop talking, but here we are doing another podcast. Um, can you can you imagine a time when you're in a conversation with someone and it's like, man, if we're listening to Symphony X right now, this conversation will be so much better because I won't have to listen to them. Oh, sorry, man. I have my headphones on. So <laughs> what did you say? Rise of the one right now, Danny, eh? <laughs> so what? And I still listen to what? <laughs> yeah. um, these are all great stories, but the coup de gras, peace out of resistance, the finale comes down to our friend Iscari Romano. Known this guy since uh, primary school. Uh, this guy is a champion, right? And he's come out and told us the best story. And I, I want to read it, but I don't want to get it wrong. And knowing my luck tonight, I probably will. That's, uh, that's pronounced and, A-N-D. Things and. that parents say for 500, Alex. <laughs> okay, Iskari says, Back in the early 2000s, Jehovah Witnesses kept rocking up at my house every week. I told them that I wasn't interested, right? Then went on for about four months, this whole back and forth thing. So one afternoon, he waits, he waits for them, right, to arrive at his door. And just before they knock on his door, he puts his stereo on really loud and plays Dig from Mudvayne. They haven't come back ever since. Wow. 
It's a pretty good story. That's good story. Good. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> right. yeah. that's right. Normally, you put the stick on your on the door saying, you know, Catholic or an blah, 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 but who just knew you just play some loud music? That should, that, that should be your doorbell. You change your doorbell to play something like death metal and they'll run off straight away and you get a listen to death metal. How I think we that? have to award Ascari Rane the metalhead of the week. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. We'll do that. Metalhead yeah. of the week. Well, I know we might have skipped it last week, um, but we've got to be honest, this is a great story and this is what we love to cover. Uh, what, what, what a great story, yeah, it's man. It's educational as well as rewarding. Could you imagine that, guys? If this literally, you never have to have an argument with anyone ever again. If you are talking to someone and they're bugging the crap out of you, I want you to grab some Pantera or some Cannibal Corpse. Hey, that latest Nile album is pretty good and just play it and see what happens. Yeah. Because they're going to be like, oh, metal, or they're going to be like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry that I was such a Jerk to you, yeah, that's right. Always forgiving, man. Like, yeah, you decent bloke. You like metal, sweet ass. Let's like, listen let, to metal, man. Let, let's get those neck muscles going. Let's just let's get that ready going. You know what I mean? Boom. Oh man, yeah. There we go. Yeah. So, um, uh, what do you think? We've heard what the fans have to say, Danny. What what are the health benefits of being a metalhead? I mean, cardio is definitely a massive one because when it be circle pits or walls of death or just like head banging, massive massive cardio there as well. It also builds up your resilience because you might get pushed around a hit a bit, so therefore physically you become stronger, more adaptable. Yeah. Uh, health-wise, again, you're right, you listen to metal, puts you in a good space, you think clearly, you're having fun, puts you in a good mood. Oh, yeah, I think it, it increases uh, dating uh, rituals as well. You know, when, a, when the opposite sex uh, says to me they're into metal, I mean, suddenly their, their lips are more fuller, their breasts are bouncier, um, their ass is a hell of a lot more smackable. I mean, that's the thing that comes out when uh, you're just talking to it, you know, or if you're gay, I'm sure the same things happen. You know, the penis gets a little bit bigger. <laughs> the bulge, you know, yeah. the bulge comes so out. The least thing is the hue or something. <laughs> yeah, your mouth starts to water and finger <laughs> <laughs> uh, licking good times. Um, yeah, look, even just listening to tunes, I feel like we can like get rid of 800 calories, man. I think it's better than the treadmill. Honestly, just by sitting in your room hearing it, your body's just gone. Like you said, well, yeah, Gene Hoagland said he put like a predominant to his. Um, to himself once when he was playing like a whole set he's apparently ran 18 miles because he just double kicked it so much but you see you know, some of these drums man they're just like cake on sweat especially yeah. play live you got the like the bright lights hot lights on you sweating it out a bit Ah, oh, that's all great. But I think the most important thing of all is that it increases your morale, which uh, leads on to a better and longer lifestyle because I've listened to anything on the radio for like Triple J stuff to anything really. Uh, it's Triple M getting better. Keep working at it. You know, I did. Yeah, we did hear the other they day. They the other day. That's freaking sweet. Yeah. Another great thing about metal is definitely the sense of that community feel. That yeah. when you listen to metal and you go to gigs, you have that community feel, and that's massive on mental health. So keep listening to metal, man, and keep that like bond strong. Absolutely love it, guys. Thank you so much for your comments. Head over to facebook.com forward slash supermetalbro if you guys want to ask us any questions. We actually got our first listener question for a long time, Danny, and they're asking us to review the latest trivia album. Yeah, only one song's been released so far. I haven't heard it yet because I'm waiting for the whole album. So if that comes out anytime soon, yeah, we'll work. Your boy Braden. Braden, a winner of the first annual uh, top 10 awards from the Super Metal Yeah, Brothers. he's got our Testament CD, right? So we ended up doing an award last year, which we're doing this year, that whoever um, basically chooses was at the uh, Metal Album of the Year, they like when we pick it. They get a free CD. He's got a Testament right at home, the test, uh, Brotherhood of the Snake. And dude, I really want that album back. Oh, he only lives in Adelaide, so... <laughs> <laughs> Get ready for a friend. All right, guys, let's jump over to our CD review. French metal. Danny, is this the first French metal band we've reviewed? No, we did Gojira. Ah, right, yeah. Oh, but yeah. I'm talking metal, though. <laughs> oh, burn. <laughs> then no. That, yes, yeah. yes, it is. Sorry. Okay, so we're talking to Dajo, right? They're a progressive metal band. They are formed in, I think, the 2000s by guitar virtuoso Stephen Forte. It's Fort, but, you know... 
I think we have to add a little bit of class because this guy is a player. He is known not only for his stuff in Adagio, but his solo work project. Good, good guitarist, eh? good guitarist. There you go. Maybe that's where the name of Daji came from. Because four days Italian surname, so Daji Italian, Italian. Oh, appropriation, dude. I'm saying it's so triggered right now. So let's talk about pro. It's about this metal band we're talking about. They are progressive metal bands. Uh, they have the orchestral sounds that are popular with bands like Symphony X. Sunny? You can't. Yeah, we, we have to try like not mention Symphony X that much because these guys are probably getting sick of being compared to yeah. them. I mean, just like Symphony X is probably they, they, sick of being compared to Dream Theater. They got dark tones in nature. It's heavy. They got neoclassical elements. You know all the stuff. They've even got jazz kind of influences, kind of dazzling amongst it as well, right? Um, Vandenplas, Persephone, Dream Theater do come to mind as well, right? They're progressive metal. They change it a lot, but their home is in a heavy dark sound. Yeah, sure. Yep. This album, before we get into it, was actually on Indiegogo. They actually had a fundraiser going on, Danny. And give you a ballpark figure. What do you think they made up in money to pay for this album? What do you think they raised? Oh, I guess 20,000 euro. 27,355 euro. That's so, good. That's pretty a bit good. of money went into this album. That's about 40,000 Australian. So, that's that's definitely enough for good recording. And Great good, recording. Yeah. And to buy a slice of cheesecake after the, which I think. Uh, they're French, so they eat cheese. No uh. cake. Or bagels or croissants, but no yeah. cake. Interesting. So let's talk about this album, Danny. Or I've actually snails. got the whole thing with. How do I do snails? I've got the whole thing from or track one to ten. Oh, sorry, one to sorry, um, one to eight, nine. Or yeah, one to coffee. nine. Well, let's talk about it from the top. There's one thing that you notice straight away. Well, not straight away because the first part of the album is or the first two minutes is pretty much like an orchestral build up. Classic when it classic comes to prog progressive metal. metal. You hear it and you're like, dun 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 ha dun dun. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, okay, but it wasn't like a separate track. Normally that that's the intro track type thing, but they've just decided to get rid of that. It cost more money to make another track. So. I think they did it because then what comes after is was probably the biggest shock or surprise that a majority of Adagio fans would have noticed, and it's the use of eight string guitars. This isn't like seven. This is eight because this is like Meshuga. Vujata kind of territory, really, really low. Yeah, yeah, and it's that full like gent sound as well. The biggest surprise is that because the whole kind of album, and there's, and I'm gonna get into what I think about eight strings in a sec, right? But for a band that uses a lot of progressive elements, a lot of different speeds, a lot of different ideas and stuff like that, you hear it and you you know it's instantly recognizable because you can't do much else with that eight string apart from doing those dun 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 round and round. But it's it's case on the whole album, Danny. This isn't just up to one track almost. Apart from the instrumental, the second to last track, it's pretty much in every track that sound. Yeah, they they definitely use it. But the problem is that it's not bad using it if you use something with it. You just can't throw it in there as like putting chili in a cheesecake and say, oh, every every third bite you get will be hot. And you're like, well, yeah, but can you somehow blend it in? Yeah. So they, they just chuck it in there and it, it can kill a bit of the buzz of some songs, you know? Well, it, the, the problem is straight away, and that's I'm going to get straight into having eight-string guitars with a progressive metal band. Eight-string guitars lead you to write a certain way because you can't stack chords on it, right? Because then it sounds like crap. You've got all this mud on top of each other, right? So you, they avoid a chords generally with eight strings. Secondly, it's always one note stuff, right? And you can't play it fast because you're hitting a string that's... The only thing bigger is the guy's penises in those porno movies that are black and only them because these things are so thick to hit that you can't stop it and you can't get the speed out of it so they play it generally slower uh, maybe unless you're Steve Vai you've got like alien fingers you could probably like yeah but he, you don't play the, those wrists fast and nothing on this album attributes to the Adagio sound when they blend all those speeds together this is literally anything from slow 
to metallus like glue. Like oh, it, it was molasses, man. Molasses, sorry. I know, but the solos are pretty freaking quick. Yeah, we'll they, get to that in a sec. But that's the biggest issue I find straight off the bat is that the first track is reminiscent of how the rest of the album's going to go. It's a familiar formula for every track. You get your intro with a guitar line that's dirtier and disgusting and heavy as all hell into that clean section, right, where the piano comes over the top and a bit of a groove maybe into the catchy traditional adagio chorus. Sure, yep. That Do you believe that formula goes through the whole album apart from maybe like tracks eight? Uh, the, yeah, two of the last ones because they're both more uh, the ballads type thing. Yeah. And then they have that strip back middle section where they try to make it a bit more acoustic and then they build up again to the choruses, etc. Uh, I mean that that that's true. That's correct. That's that's a lot of problems I have with some of these progressive rock bands that you still have a similar formula throughout all your songs, even though you consider to be progressive. Yes, so that, that's my problems with Pyramids. I thought it was the same thing. It was the same structure for each song. I wouldn't call them a progressive metal band though. They really were just a melodic death metal band, and that's yeah. it. With oh. a power metal singer, you know, it was literally listening to a softer version of um, uh, Mercenary. Thank that's you. That's cool. Oh, we'll, go, we'll go back to, we'll go back to this one. Um, they, but they do things a little bit different. Like, for example, the uh, intro to track two, The Ladder, has that Planet X kind of intro, right? Where it's all kind of like dissonant and it's nonsensical and it's in time signatures that that a math equationist or an engineer couldn't wrap their head around. Um, it really does feel like they're, they're, at those times they do kind of stretch a little bit outside of those... Vujasa kind of grooves uh, where it's and there's Meshuga grooves um, there are some like those romantic elements in the interludes mostly in the choruses I find and the singing does a great job to pick out melodies out of that but it must be so hard though to hear it because when the songs are so low it must be tricky to uh, get a genuine feel of a good melody because everything kind of sounds so close together and the harmonies just really kind of get lost a bit I think Oh, um, that's true. But he, this guy has great power, so he, yeah. Unfortunately, he does use the power a bit too much. I think like one that near the track songs at the end, not the ballad, but like the semi ballad, he kind of loses a bit with the motive side where he brings the power. So no, keep it keep it flat. It's good. Yeah, but that's a bit of a nitpick. I mean, he's oh, all, you've, the rest you, of the album he does your fair. favorite track, Darkness Machine. I mean, that's he's just channeling Rob Halford and Ripper oh, Owens. It's, awesome, it's just ridiculous. It's a showcase for what singers wish they could do in the heavy metal. You know, yeah. and I saw him live for Firewind, and yeah, he does this live like easily as well. So he's, I mean, he's got a great control, great power. Um, he puts a bit of motive into it, good phrasing and pitching so good control like he's he's a great singer it's very interesting how they did this album because you're right the last couple of tracks are kind of sad morbidity i mean track six for opposite which is my favorite track is a very sad song you know um track eight tripping away and track nine torn definitely torn kind of felt like it was a little unfinished though it kind of ended a little bit too soon i thought they could have milked it out um but track eight dude let's talk about this um instrumental track Overly happy. I mean, a lot of people criticize Baby Metal when they had that a ballad on their album, and it sounded too happy. It was literally like diabetes, uh, with with the candy canes and Mars bars. It was it was all it was too sweet for something that was so dark. Yeah, it really st- stood out that song. Yeah, yeah. So it, that being on the album was an interesting kind of trip. Maybe it was put there to just showcase that they have that ability, but on a context, it was didn't really make much sense in the whole album. You know, it was. It was. I was relieved to hear it, but I wasn't relieved to hear it in a good way where I was like, this is a good song. I'm just thinking, oh, it's different. It's something else that they aren't doing with a gent riff, with with slow, methodical drum lines, which are obviously um, intricate, um, and then and then an eerie piano bass line kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, 
that, that's true as well. But I mean, all these progressive albums needs at least one ballad. That's just the rule to a progressive album. The thing they did, which is cool though, is at the end of that song, it, it like it's pretty much mostly piano bass and finishes with a nice piano like section. But then the next track actually starts with a more of a darker piano section, like yeah. just more minor key bass. So I thought it was a really nice transition. They went from that soft piano to a minor piano sound, and then they again they go back to that gent riff and. Song goes, of course. Yeah, the fade outs as well are a bit weird because you know, like they're not going to be able to do it. Um, I really wish that with songs like the Great, the Grand Spirit Voyage, and and even the Ballad to a degree, the, there's no resolution, strong resolution, and that's a problem when you have such a sad piece of music or a happy piece of music. I guess you nearly need that. Um, so uh, that was a bit annoying. But track four for me is the antithesis of what this makes this album. Uh, well, a, a bit, a bit of a disappointment, especially for me, who really thought I was going to get some something about this album with more energy in that. Uh, it's really got the similar tempos for the first three tracks. Um, it's got just very easy going riffs. You know, the riffs are very much just going, playing through the motion, and um, premature fade out. It's really like it, it felt lazy. The song when it was written, and uh, from a band that literally has written some of the most compelling. <laughs> diverse, technically astounding um, riffs, licks, and songs. And this is where they are right now in 2017 is, um, I think would have frustrated, generally would have frustrated some of the fans. Oh, maybe you're right. I mean, I, I didn't really hate that track. I thought ending on the chorus was good. A lot of people decided not to end on choruses, but I thought that was a nice punchy way to finish the song. Uh, look, again, there are still a lot of positives from this album. Like again, the use of pianos and strings and choirs all help with the the feeling and the motive side. Yeah, the hammer um, organ in track one was really nice. Was awesome. Yeah. I think they also they the whole hammer organ solo like track I don't know seven something down yeah. the track. So that was that was really cool to hear that a bit of nostalgia there as well. Um, so that they, they do try to blend it a bit, which is it, it's good to see. The the most baffling thing I found in this album though is that the songs never really took on a place of storytelling. However. What do are the guitar solos? And my God, these guitar solos. Oh, my God. Um, the, the riffs are better underneath them for a start, right? And this is what yeah, really compels it. The drumming, it. Underneath the the drumming is, is better underneath yeah. them, right? So all of a sudden, you're like pissed off because you're like, dude, this is in you right now. And you know you're going to make it kick ass. And the storytelling, the way the solos go about always build to a climax it, it they're always he's always answers these questions which he answers and he builds and builds and builds and he's got so many uh tricks underneath his sleeve it's amazing that he's he's got he's just fat full of jumpers because there's sleeve mm. under sleeve of these of aces underneath them apart from track four again because that was again it was so phoned in the song that even the solo was like he hit a wall and it was like i don't know what to do with it literally his songwriting must have stuffed him up but in every other song that he does a solo in, the riffs are better, the drumming's better, the the, the lines are darker, uh, the resolutions are stronger, and by the end of it, you're literally like cheering. You're like, that was legit a masterclass. Um, why it stopped at the solos and not the whole song, like you, like I was saying, like you agree, Danny, the riffs there are so good. Why is it at the, the for track one when the, when the riff finally kicks in, you're like, uh, and then it stops suddenly to hear a three-note you know gent trademark you know mm. the worst yeah. thing about it, it's the greatest scene is that these guys were doing such a they were pioneering their genre and they were doing it better they were doing metal better than most bands out there and to then pull back and do what is popular right now and to and to sell out that sound and i'll get a bit of flack for it because i know that you could well you're going to change your sound and here's the thing they could have taken their 
songwriting into seven strings, like what, what Nevermore did. Because even Jeff Loomis knows that going into eight strings, you lose a lot of um, what you can do creatively. And for a progressive metal band, that's a bad thing. To then limit yourself to, of how you're going to write a song. Um, so they could have gone, they could have gone heavier by naturally just going to a seven string and then exploring that space. You know what I mean? Um, and then they could have made seven strings adagio rather than making adagio into seven strings or an eight strings. Because right now, what they've done is taking what he's done with his solo project, Stephen Fonte, and that's add that dubstep to gent to the sound. And it should have stayed there. He should have stayed that solo project stuff there, and he should have made adagio adagio. And um, I just want to know if the if the rest of the band went in kicking and screaming going to that side because he's the master of the ship, or if they're generally like, yeah, we need to just put a Dajo into Gent now. It's done its course in pioneering the sound in progressive metal, and now it needs to go into that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's cool. Yeah, I, I think you might be a bit overly harsh for this album. Again, there's still like great technical writing, some strong mm. metal at time. The musicianship's but, ridiculous. Yeah, that's all great. Um, again, it's right if it's. It can be because maybe too much of a change from the older style. And again, I don't like just chucking like gent groovy riffs in there because they, they do break up the emotion of a song. And you, you can't get absorbed into it. Like you just can't chuck in riffs for two or three bars. And well, no, yeah, that's about it. Like, and it's it too low to have an emotional connection to it. And here's the problem that metal is going to face eventually: that there's going to be a line where you cannot go any lower because you can't. It's like hitting a, a tom. You know, when you have toms, they all change different keys. But it's there as a percussive sound, and they've gotten dangerously close to losing what makes Adagio so great, and that's showcasing uh, different feelings and emotions through a vocabulary of in the progressive genre, right? Um, you really, they've really limited themselves, and for that, I think they're stuck. The, 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 the tempos are pretty much all the same, the key cinches are all the same uh, to a degree, and uh, it really lies into having a formula now that repeats in every song. And like you said, for a progressive metal band, that's just why do it you know yeah. why, why limit yourself so I, I just felt the biggest problem I find is I was disappointed where the band could potentially be going and after hearing their last previous album um, Underworld no the one that was after that sorry uh, yeah um, I've, I've forgotten the name for it it's like the red one it was, I heard that and I'm like that's brilliant but then when I heard this I was just so disappointed because I, I believe that they could have found something else another like higher echelon of playing and this really feels like a step a real far step back Yep, that's fine. So, um, yeah, so for that, I would just recommend you go ahead and you go out and buy Underworld or Archangels of Black, sorry, it was the album. Uh -huh. um, I, I don't recommend this album at all. I mean, unless you're under, unless you're 15 years old and you listen to nothing but um, like Viljata or Meshuga or even Tesseract, um, I would be surprised. I mean, I know some fan people are generally fans of it and the musicianship itself, the singing drumming the keyboard piano these are world-class musicians in a world-class band unfortunately aren't really producing world-class songs on this album yeah that, that, that's how you feel is that how you feel oh look i i i'm probably not as harsh as that but i did for some for some reason found it hard to really get into really getting engrossed with mm. uh, maybe a few more plays i'll get into it but again I, I don't again it's for me it's about taking on a journey and with progressive bands and i don't think they did it you've got sorry you got this singer right who gives such an amazing amount of power and you just want to hear a riff that goes and he's going yeah like support him yeah fuck just give him that song do it once in the album and track five track five no it's still slow at the start it's not yeah at the start it's great but could you imagine a track that is dedicated to ripping off the hairs off your balls 
and and you're wanting them to do it again, like yeah, I, I hear you, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? And this is where the band for me falls so ridiculously short. They have a singer that you just want to hear. You want to be taken on this journey of fighting a freaking dragon. <laughs> Give us the listen of the song about fighting a freaking dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, ah, oh, and. Uh, I can't be, believe it. you got uh, nine songs of not that, you know? You got, And I'm glad that they tried to stretch himself in that thing, but I can't see him. He's done that with his solo album, so I don't think why he needs it. Why he decided to bring it into Adagio is, is complex, and uh, there's nowhere else to go. You can't go heavier because then you have to go even slower. And for mm. a band that has that element of, of raw energy, oh, it's... Yeah, I think you have to start being a bit more death vocals or something to change it up a bit. Yeah, and I, hate, I know you hate talking about it. Could you imagine all your favourite um, uh, metal bands and you, you, they can't do one thing that makes them great, right, in the next album? Could you imagine saying, all right, Russ Allen can't hit, his, hit that high notes anymore or... There can't be any more uh, fast drum beats anymore. It has to be slow. Oh, to go mental. Yeah, or, or Jeff Lewis can't write any more songs. Oh, oh wait, shit. He went there. There we go again, right? You bring this shit up. You made me upset. <laughs> um, and for that, and this is exactly why, you can hear it from those solos. You can hear it from when the musicians have a chance to shine individually, like track five for the vocalist, the guitar solo is for the, drum, is for the guitarist, and for the drummer, uh, you know, when, when he gets a chance to do his thing, like the intros to friggin', um uh, s- uh, Submarine or wherever it was or something. Oh, yeah, it's cool song as well. Yeah. Cool song. Yeah, it's, 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 the cellos are so good. And now, oh, again, like when they're bringing in different instrumentation, there is touches of those Eastern uh, Eastern sounds through like tracks two, four, and six as well, you know, so that artwork wasn't done in vain to, to look cool and have a really hot Indian chick in the front, you know, that actually gives it context for the album. Um, maybe that's it. Maybe Indian people now listen to nothing but uh, eight-string guitars now and uh, muddly uh, effects. So who knows? Uh, yeah, okay. I thought we were talking about French bands, but all right. Oh, right. French yeah, but bands. you know, the whole, like, they brought that Eastern element into it, you know what I mean? Uh, like, I uh, the Chikoria Hammond organ and uh, stuff, you know? Um, what? John Lorne Hammond organ? Oh, John yeah, Lorne, sorry. Because he made it into rock, right? Wait, the Chikoria stole from rock guys. Trying to get me angry now. Jazz. You're trying to get me angry again. Ah, uh, you know... I get it. Is I get this, it. Is this because of that Loomis thing? Is that why? Yeah, it is because of the Loomis <laughs> thing, man. Uh, and uh, that's and that's kind of my take on it. So uh, it's enjoyable. It's impressive. Uh, sometimes it's enjoyable. Technically a marvel and very impressive. Um, but uh, it does fall short of being a truly memorable, gut-wrenching slash exciting experience. And for sure. that, uh, I don't recommend it. Yeah, that's probably fair. I'm, I'm a semi-recommend. Semi? Who are you going to recommend this album to, Danny? I want to know. Uh oh! Look again. If people are into that that hard rocking bit, syncopated, progressive songs, uh, yeah. Again, like we listen to um, like Persephone. It's kind of between like Persephone and a progressive rock band. So if you like that type of stuff, you probably dig it. But again, it's a limited market. It is limited because they've got a power metal vocalist, which really limits it to one thing for the older kind of crowd, right? The demographic who you think Ripper Owens is God. And then you got the new style with Gent, which is for the young kids, right? So the guys who are coming through the ranks. I would like to know if this actually appeals to both or to none of them at all. And now I have a feeling it's the latter. Please let me be wrong. These guys are awesome. I want to hear them do another album after this um, and see what they're going to do about whether they rectify it or they kind of keep on this theme with uh, the H-string um, gigantism as it would be. Hmm. I guess that's really my take on the album, uh, Danny. Our overall thoughts uh, notwithstanding, it's a uh, mixed bag. Yeah, I think we'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Rust, it's, it's basically like having a bag of mixed lollies thrown in with some rusty nails. It is quite the bag. All right. <laughs> Go on. 
one. <laughs> it's metal. Dude, it's metal after yeah, all. Okay, I guess so. Sugar metal. Yeah. So um, that's the end of our show, guys, which has been a lot of fun today. I hope you guys loved listening to us. Uh, we've got uh, a SoundCloud, which you notice what we're on right now. We're also doing a whole thing with, uh, obviously, if you want to do albums you want to hear or a news story that you want us to talk about. Or even if you guys want to bring up a certain question that you haven't heard us answer yet, feel free to go to Super Metal Brothers on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Super Metal Bro. Danny, anything else to say? I just in the words of a dodgio, onward weary traveller. All day the hopes you've sworn in my garden wither, each promise of forever so unkind. Now drink of the memory's bite. Epic. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I've been Super Metal Brother Dan. Keep listening to those blast beats and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>